It is pure joy, pure, pure joy to introduce you our guest speaker today in uh, Dr. Reverend Dr. Nicole Martin. I first met Nicole a couple of years ago here at an EHS conference and just from uh, the first time meeting her and having a few conversations with her, it was just evident besides her just being a wonderfully warm and joyful presence that God's hand of grace uh, was on her life as well. She was born in and educated in Baltimore, Maryland. She received her Master of Divinity degree at Princeton Theological Seminary, and she earned a doctorate degree at Gordon-Commonwealth Theological Seminary as well with an emphasis on African-American redemptive leadership. Uh, up until a recent transition, she served as the executive pastor of the Park Church in North Carolina, Charlotte, North Carolina, where Bishop Claude Alexander, a friend of ours at New Life, uh, serves as the pastor there. And she's now a consultant working with the uh, American Bible Society. Uh, in addition to all of the wonderful accolades that she's accomplished, one of my favorites to highlight is uh, she's been inducted into the prestigious Dr. Martin Luther King uh, Jr. Board of Preachers at Morehouse College. In the first two services, we got a taste as to why uh, she has been inducted into that. And she's um, just been a gift to us today. And so she's married to her, her best friend and soon-to-be uh, Dr. Uh, Mark Martin uh, in his own right here. And they have two beautiful daughters, four and two years old, uh, Addison and Josephine. And so um, there's a book. I usually have it here. I don't have it here. But there's she wrote a book uh, on women in leadership and in ministry. It's available downstairs. There's only about 20 copies remaining. It's $15. And so you really want to pick that up at New Life. Uh, we affirm that God has empowered and equipped women to lead in all capacities. Uh, that's why we have uh, women on our elder board and women preachers here. It's just we believe that the Holy Spirit has poured out his spirits on male and female. And so that book is a good way to, uh, to further be encouraged as you seek to understand more what that looks like. Now, um, she has preached in many different places, but she's never pre preached in Queens, all right? And so whenever someone comes to Queens in our home here, we want to give them the biggest, warmest ovation. And so would you join me in giving Nicole a Queens Boulevard welcome as she comes up to preach to us today. Thank you all so much. It is such a privilege and an honor to be here. I just want you to join me in celebrating God for your pastor, for Pastor Rich. Come on, let's give the Lord praise for him. Praise the Lord. I had the distinct honor of being able to hear bits and pieces of how God led him to where he is now. And I got to tell you, I, I've known it and I knew it even in our interactions. I know it even more now that God has anointed and appointed this great man of God to lead not just this congregation, but to lead in the body of Christ for such a time as this. And I cannot wait to see what God is going to do. He is just getting started. So I cannot wait to see how God's going to bless this church, 
through his leadership and bless the body of Christ through him as well. Um, speaking of blessings, uh, my life has been changed, transformed completely um, by Pete and Jerry Scazzaro. And it is truly an honor to be in this space because of the impact they've had on me as an individual and on our, on our marriage and on our family. So you all are so blessed, such a blessed congregation. And it's an honor to be here. I shared at the last uh, service that I, I try not to be a tourist when I go places, but I just love New York and I just love Queens. I'm totally buying a t-shirt. <laughs> I'm getting, I'm going to have one of those classic touristy t-shirts like, I love Queens. But I do. There's just such richness here. And I hope you know the richness that God has given you in this congregation, in this city. It only takes a few hours drive to realize what God has given here. So God has blessed you and I'm honored to be a part of this. And I'm especially blessed that my husband is here today, soon to be Dr. Mark Martin. It is such a, I, I take advantage of the fact that I get to embarrass him from here. Um, and so I take that little <laughs> luxury. He's blushing. It's so cute. He's um, graduating with his PhD in leadership and change from Antioch University in July. And we will celebrate big time. Celebrate. We thank, thank God for that. My daughters, Addison and Josephine, they're two and four. And we've decided that we're making poster board for the graduation. So when they say, please remain silent while we call all the names, we'll just hang up our little poster boards and be obnoxious that way. Because graduations are supposed to be obnoxious a little bit, right? Just a little bit. Yeah, my family was always the one where they would say, please remain quiet. And then they would call my name and it'd be all loud, like, gosh, guys. But deep inside, I knew the love. I felt the love. Well, today our scripture comes from Ephesians chapter three. Ephesians chapter three, and we're going to read verse 14 through 21. I've been blessed to at least watch online some of the great sermons that have come out of this Eastertide series. I hope that you all have been blessed as well by this rich discovery of the book of Ephesians, and I hope to be part of that, um, adding to this richness in sermons and preaching. So this is Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14 through 21. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Jesus Christ throughout all generations forever and ever. And let God's people say, amen. Let us pray. Oh God, we thank you for the privilege of gathering in your name. We thank you, God, for how you've shown up for us already in the singing of songs, in dance, and in prayer, in the worship of giving. We thank you, God, that you are with us. We thank you that you are true on your promise, that where two or three are gathered, you would be in our midst. 
So thanks for being with us, God. We pray that your word would be good seed. It is good seed. That it would be planted in good soil. Make us good soil. That when we leave this place, we would bring forth the harvest in this world, some 30, some 60, some 100 fold. We thank you for this time. We thank you for what you will do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we uh, kind of share together in this time, I want to preach prayers for a peculiar people. Christians make up a unique, dynamic, amazing, peculiar community. We are, uh, we make up approximately 33% of the world's population and we come in every hue. We speak every language. We are as diverse as all of the nations that make up this world. We are as different as different can be. And yet we are united by the singular declaration that Jesus Christ is Lord. Christians are a peculiar people. While at times we act a tiny bit strange and we may appear to have lost all common sense, we are still a community called by God and united by faith. We are the ones who embrace the stranger when the world says find a new home. We are the ones who seek life for the wounded when the world would rather let them die. We are the ones who turn the other cheek when enemies take a strike. We are the ones who speak truth to power when lies are the more obvious way out. And while there are millions of ways to live an easier life, we who are believers have chosen the narrow path. We've chosen a difficult road. We are the Christian community and we are called by God. Just the other day, I was speaking with a woman who decided to take in two women from a shelter that couldn't find a place to stay. One of them was pregnant, and I said, Andrea, what would cause you to take in two women that you barely know? She said, we're part of the body of Christ, and this is the least I can do compared to all that God has done for me. It struck me that we are such a unique community, and we are compelled by such an amazing God. And our uniqueness really is a blessing. It's intended to be a blessing to this world. The body of Christ is amazing. It's different. It's peculiar. It is particular all at the same time. We are a people called by God to be unusual and unique and set apart. And yet sometimes we forget who we are. I think one of the main ills affecting the body of Christ is spiritual amnesia. We tend to forget who we are in the midst of challenging times. When life's pressure beats down on us, we forget who we are and who God made us to be. Sometimes we just get caught up in the cycle of daily living that, that causes an onset of this spiritual amnesia. We wake up, we go to work, we come home, we go to sleep. We wake up, we go to school, we take care of the kids, we go to sleep. And somewhere in between the waking up and going to sleep, we can become consumed by the cares of this world. We can become caught up in bills and worries and people and issues and problems and stress. So caught up that we literally forget who God has called us to be. And when we're not caught up in the things of this world, sometimes we forget just because it's easier to live that way. It's easier to take the road most traveled than it is to walk alone. It's easier to go with the flow instead of swimming up the stream of culture. It's easier to be in the world and of it instead of being in it and not of it. 
It's easier to tell a lie than it is to stand on the truth. Easier to do your thing than it is to do God's thing. Easier to focus on myself than it is to focus on others. Sometimes it's just easier to forget who God called us to be. Maybe that's why the percentage of those who call themselves Christians in America has dropped more than 10% over the last 10 years and continues to decline. Maybe that's why some young people are trying to find themselves in this plethora of choices outside of the body of Christ instead of finding themselves rooted within Christ. Maybe in our own spiritual amnesia, we've forgotten to tell our children who we are. And by forgetting to tell our children, we've forgotten to tell the world that there is a God who loves them deeply, a God who still lives. We have forgotten who we are, and yet we're created to be this amazing, peculiar community. We are set apart by God so that we might show God to the world. We are an amazing community of Christ so that Christ might be seen through us and someone would come to know him for themselves. We are Christians, not because we can get more money or live an easier life or hang out with the cool kids or wear a fancy cross or buy a big heavy Bible. We are believers so that our perfect God might use a peculiar community to redeem this broken world that he loves so dearly. We can't afford to forget who we are because the world is crying out for God and God longs for the people of this world. The world is crying out for authentic people who are willing to pray on behalf of their friends. The world is crying out for a community that is not afraid to stand on what they believe. The world is crying out for a church that is not afraid to dig deep into the soul or provide for those in need or open their doors to those who don't look like them. The world is crying out for us to be different and the God that we serve calls us to be different. And therefore, we cannot afford to forget who we are. In our text this morning, Paul encourages this community in Ephesus with one of the greatest weapons of all, prayer. Prayer is one of the least utilized, most um, impactful weapons that God has given us in our toolkit. Don't you know you have a spiritual toolkit? (laughs) We've got the word, we've got prayer, we've got fellowship. But Paul tries to use this weapon of prayer to pray for a community that needs reminders. And this community in Ephesus needed to be reminded that they were different. They needed to be reminded that God had good things for them. Perhaps with their cultural pressures uh, to worship the goddess Artemis with all of the mergers of the Jewish Christians and the Gentile Christians, perhaps this community needed to be reminded of who they were. For them, maybe it was easier to say nothing than it was to stand for something. Perhaps they got comfortable in their faith and forgot the believing in Christ meant waging war on cultural complacency. Perhaps they saw Paul as an extremist and maybe they were afraid to live for God because they didn't want to put their lives at risk like he did. But Paul encouraged them not to be discouraged because of his imprisonment or because of societal pressure or even because of their own differences. Instead, he prayed for them. He prayed that they would be reminded of who they were so that they would stand unwavering in their faith and others would see God. In this same way, if we're going to show God to the world, we would be, we would be blessed to receive this prayer, not just as one to the church in Ephesus, but as a prayer for us. Not just Paul praying for a particular people, but as Paul praying for all of us. 
we would do well to take on this prayer and to remember that in it, Paul is pointing out truths about us that will help us to be the community God has called us to be. And the first truth that Paul points out is as this unique, peculiar community, we have strength to bear the unbearable. We have strength to bear the unbearable. In verse 16, Paul prays that the community might be strengthened with power through the spirit of Christ in their inner beings. Notice, Paul does not pray that they have outer strength to build buildings or to wage wars. He does not pray that they have outer strength in their numbers or their wealth or their weapons or even in their authority. No, Paul prays for inner strength. Unlike physical strength that is so obvious to the eye, inner strength is not often seen until the trials and tests come. Like an umbrella that doesn't, we don't know if it works until it starts to rain. Uh, the inner strength that God gives us, we often don't know that it's working until the rain comes in our lives. Paul knew that in these last days, the community of Christ would suffer violence and they would need to be strong, not just on the outside, but on the inside to endure struggles for the sake of this call. What makes us a a peculiar Christian community is the fact that God has given us strength to bear what others think is unbearable. As believers, we have an inner strength that enables us to live through difficulties that might have killed someone else. I'm thinking of the story of Pastor G, who is a pastor who lives in Charlotte. He was hung on a cross upside down for four days in front of his young son. They begged him, pleaded with him to renounce his faith. And when they didn't, they took him off of that cross and led him to the place where he would be executed. By the grace of God, he and his son were able to flee into the jungle. And after getting his son to safety, Pastor G lived in the jungle for over a year until he made it to safety in Cambodia. And after making it finally to Charlotte, where he could finally make his way, it was about six years before he finally saw his wife and his children. I listen to that story and I think, God, that is unbearable. And then I'm reminded it is the spirit of God working within people like G to give him inner strength to bear what others think is unbearable. God gave Moses this kind of inner strength to lead people, millions of them that others could never lead. God gave Joseph this inner strength to live through slavery and set his family free. God gave Esther this kind of inner strength when she risked her life for the sake of her people. God gave Peter inner strength to move from failure to faith in God. And God gave this woman who anointed the the feet of Jesus inner strength to do what God called her to do even when others said it was foolish. But the Bible's not the only place where we'll witness the power of God to give us strength on the inside. There are many among us that would tell you that God gives strength on the inside to bear what others think is unbearable. The Salvation Army has endured for so long, and they would say God gave them inner strength to minister to those in need. Crisis assistants all around the world would tell you that God gives inner strength so that as an organization, they could provide for people in need. Uh, My ancestors would tell you that God gives inner strength to survive the Middle Passage and civil rights and so much more. Our Jewish friends would declare God gives strength, inner strength to manage through the Holocaust. Those in Haiti and Chile and all over the world would testify, God will give you inner strength to make it through disaster and earthquake and challenges and chaos. We have witnesses even among us who would say it's not just around us, 
it's me. God gave me inner strength to make it through chemotherapy. God gave me inner strength to make it through depression. There are witnesses here today that would say, God gave me inner strength to make it through things that others thought was unbearable. We are a community called by God and God has given us inner strength. But also I believe the Bible tells us that we have power to know the unknown. In verses 17 through 19, Paul prays that we being rooted and grounded in love may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that we might be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now, I admit I I struggled with this verse because in it, Paul prays that we would know what cannot be known. He prays that we would know a love that surpasses knowledge. So how is it possible to know something if it cannot be known? Perhaps Paul is pleading that we would change our standard of knowing. You see, the world would assess you based on individual knowledge. But Paul may be suggesting that we know collectively, which is a different way of knowing altogether. Instead of leaning on your personal experience of God's love, perhaps the true knowledge of God's love comes when we lean on our collective experiences. In this way, we might know together what cannot be known alone. Only when we learn from the wealth of someone else's story of God's love can we catch a glimpse of the width and the length and breadth and depth of God's love for us. When my grandfather passed a few years ago, the family got together to remember stories about him. And my, my sister and I and some of our other cousins, we talked about how uh, Papap, we used to call him, how Papap used to give us candy on the side when my mom wasn't looking. My mom and her sisters and her brother talked about how he seemed to have like secret vision and some CIA capabilities because he would always find them at the parties when they thought they were sneaking out the house. (laughs) She would talk about how he brought a gun on her on their first date and how he on her first date, he he pulled out the gun and the young man obviously didn't stay around too long. My, my grandmother talked about how she was courted by him, how after he came home from World War II and all of his gear and fatigue and, and how he would court her and woo her. And as we remember and honor those on Memorial Day, I honor the legacy of every person who fought in every war and the legacy that they've lived for us today so that we might be free. As we remembered all of these stories about my grandfather, it was only then, in that moment, that I began to get a fuller picture of who he really was. In the same way, as believers, when we come together as the community, as the family of Jesus, and we begin to share our stories about what God has done for us, then we can get a full, a little bit more full picture of who God is. When I hear from you what God has done for you, when I share with you what God has done for me, only then can we get a little bit of a glimpse of the fullness of God's love for us. It reminds me of the books that I used to have when I was growing up, The Color by Number, and they would color, you know, number one was blue and number two is red and you color it all in at one time. 
And if it's as if the body of Christ is made up of people who all have different color crayons. My life is lived in one color and your life is lived in one color. But when we bring that together, only then can we get the full rainbow of God's love for us. I might see God moving on the mountaintops, but you see him working in the valley. I might see God moving in the sunshine. You see him in the dawn. I might see God moving in the sea and you see God moving in the wilderness. God has brought us together as a community so that we might grow from our perspectives and our vision because women might tend to see God in one way, perhaps as nurturing and men might tend to see God in another way, perhaps as provider. Children may tend to see God and what he's doing now and in the future while elders may tend to see God for what he's already done. But when we get together, when we begin to share, when we sharpen one another with our testimony and revelation tells us we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony, when our testimony comes out, Only then can we get a little bit of glimpse of who God really is. And Paul says, when we get this glimpse of who God is, then we can catch a glimpse of God's love. And so as a community of Christ, we are called together. And by his grace, we have been given the ability to bear the unbearable. We've been given the power to to know the unknowable. And I believe that the Bible will tell us God's given us the ability to do the unthinkable. In verse 20, Paul closes out his prayer. He says, now unto him who's able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to the power that is at work within us. When we come together to bear the unbearable, to know the unknown, God gives us power as a community to do the unthinkable, more than we could ever think or imagine on our own. What would happen if communities got together and said, how do we pool our resources to do some good in this world? What would happen if bodies of Christ, unique different bodies would come together to say, what can we do to make a difference in the world? By bodies of Christ coming together, many different organizations and churches have been built and God is just getting started. There are still seeds that need to be planted. There is still work that needs to be done. And when we get together, when we put our resources and gifts together, there's no telling what God can do through us. I had a challenging conversation in Israel. We were invited by some Jewish friends to go and tour Israel. And on the bus, one of the rabbis uh, kind of, I felt like he was shouting at us, but I think that was just his passion. He said, what is wrong with you Christians? He said, why is it that you sit silently while Christians all over the world are dying? He said, if Jewish people were being crucified like this, if Jewish people were dying like this, we would be storming the White House. We would be filling the streets. We would not sit still. And I wrestled within myself with all of the complexities of the Christian faith, how it is an honor because we say to live as Christ and to die as gain. I wrestled with these complexities of my American faith, wondering would I be courageous enough to die like those in Sudan who will not give up their faith? 
I wrestled with all of these complexities, with the many smaller organizations who are doing great work but are often unseen. I wrestled with how the media likes to tend to bend things to the position of one or another, and I didn't really know what to say. And I've been wrestling with that question ever since. Because my prayer is, God, if you've made me part of something larger, what impact are you calling me to have that meets that larger need? Because here's the best part about being in the body of Christ. I can't do this by myself. (laughs) The best part about being in the body of Christ is the blessed admission, we cannot do this by ourselves. By ourselves, we go but so far. With our own efforts, we can only do so much. Oh, but when you and I get together, there's no telling what God will allow us to do together. When the body of Christ gets together, when we can sit aside our ego and our own vision, when we can put aside our own agendas and say, how can I help you? I just believe God can do great things. God is doing it right now in small pockets of churches, just like New Life, with people who say, I'm setting aside my flesh so that I can engage with the spirit and re-engage my flesh. God is doing it all over the world with organizations who put aside their agendas to say, God, give us your agenda. God is doing it all over the world. Unthinkable things like feeding and ending poverty, like bringing children out of sex trafficking. God is doing it all over the world. And when we get tired of examples in the world, all we have to do is look at Jesus because Jesus is the quintessential example of what it means for us to be community. Jesus said to us that the only way you will be this community is by me. How do we become this peculiar community? By the power of Jesus Christ working within us. Jesus was the only one who could bear the unbearable when he was reached high on the cross and when he died for our sins. Jesus was the only one who knew the unknown because he is the son of God and he knows all there is to know. And Jesus was the only one who could do the unthinkable because not only did he die, but the Bible tells us on the third day, God rose, Jesus rose with all power in his hand. And when he rose with that power, he says to us in John, the same power that rose Jesus from the dead now lives in you. This is why Paul can say, according to the power that is at work in you, God will do whatever he needs to do. And so my brothers and sisters, I encourage you to keep on bearing whatever feels unbearable. Keep on trying to know whatever feels unknown and keep on doing what seems impossible because God is with us and God is in us and the power of the Holy Spirit gives us everything we need. Let the body of Christ say amen. 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 Hallelujah. Oh God, we thank you for the great privilege we have to be called part of this sacred, broken, amazing body of Christ. Oh God, we we don't deny the fact that this is your body and you alone can make us whole. So we pray that you would strengthen us on the inside. We pray that you would give us insight, that you would show us what we need to know. We pray for visions that go beyond anything we could ever ask or imagine. And we pray that you would help us be community. 
Help us, God, to live into what seems impossible, this amazing community. And we thank you, Lord, for the privilege that we have to be part of it. And right now, God, we pray for our brothers and sisters all over the world, those who are persecuted, those who are struggling right now. God, be with them, meet their needs, and show us how to be the community that works together for your glory in your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Let the redeemed of the Lord say amen. Amen. Together. Let's thank God for Dr. Nicole. He blessed us all day long here today. Oh, it's good to be in the house of God. Amen. It is good to be in the house of the Lord. I want, we're going to close our service. I want to invite the prayer team to come to my left. We have the Lord's table to my right. And here's what I know as a pastor uh, about many of us in this room. And it is this, that many of you are facing situations right now that feel unbearable. And this is just the nature of life, that from time to time you will come across obstacles and challenges and problems that just feel unbearable. And this is why we close every gathering with a time of prayer. Because there's, there's some kind of transaction that happens in the spirit when we pray for one another. That something gets activated in the heavenlies. That gets activated in our own lives as well. And it's prayer. And it's the power of the Holy Spirit. And this is why we close every gathering with a time of prayer. With our prayer team anointing you with oil as a sign of the Holy Spirit's presence and power in your life. Because we can't bear our struggles alone. And we need not bear our struggles alone. And some of you have been trying to fight this thing in your own strength, but it's it's impossible to you weren't designed to try to fight this in your own strength. We need people. And some of you in this place, I love how Nicole mentioned it, that we are called to know that which is unknown. And what Paul's referring to is the love of God, that there's something of the love of God that the world, it's un, the world knows it to some degree. But the followers of God, the people of God are to know it on a depth, on a level that actually makes the world thirsty for it. And so God, on Friday night, we began our Sabbath, Rosie and I and our kids, and we went to Rockaway Beach, and we just were hanging out on the boardwalk, and we got to this, the shore, and it's maybe 7 p.m., and we're just hanging out and just watching the waves just crash and crash. And I looked at Rosie, and I said, honey, every time I come to the beach and just watch the waves, I think about the love of God, that the love of God is continuously over and over and you might not see it but the love of God crashing on you and then you think God doesn't have more love and it crashes again like this the waves were made to crash on the sea and God was made to love you with an everlasting love God, God exists to love you with an everlasting love and you were created to receive God's love in full measure and God's love is crashing on us today and God wants us to taste and see that he is good and we have an opportunity to do that God wants you to have the ability, I love it, oh, she was preaching today, to have the ability to do that which seems unthinkable. And some of you today, you're faced with situations, or maybe you know God has called you to do something that seems beyond your own ability, and yet this is what it means to be a followers of Jesus, that we can do the foolish things in the world because God gives us the grace and the power to do it. And so our prayer team is here for whatever needs you have. Maybe it's a burden uh, that you're facing. Maybe it's a desire you have to taste the love of God. 
Maybe it's uh, something before you that you know God is calling you to step out on, but you don't know how you're going to do it. Our prayer team is here to pray with you. And we have the Lord's table to my right, where we come and we take bread and we dip it in a cup, and that Jesus Christ is the one who bears the sins of the world. Jesus Christ is the one who knows all things. Jesus Christ is the one who's done the unthinkable and the impossible. And when we come to the table to take bread and dip it in a cup, we are participating in the life of Christ and saying, Lord, whatever you did, would you do it in me afresh? And so our, our, the Lord's table will be here. Our prayer team will be here. Uh, Nicole's going to be downstairs. Uh, there's a few copies remaining of her book. I would love for you to meet her before you head out, and you can pick some of that up before you head out as well. But as we close, I want to invite you to open your hands towards heaven to receive a blessing. We close every gathering like this because this is a posture of receiving. The world's posture is one of grasping and manipulation and control. The follower of Jesus is one who lives open-handed because we cannot give what we have not first received. And so may we be people who receive the love of God so that we may give the love of God. Receive all the grace of God so that we may give the grace of God. And so we are here to say, Lord, we need to receive. And so with your hands and your hearts in a posture of receiving, brothers and sisters and sons and daughters of the living God, may the Lord bless you and may he keep you. May he shine his face upon you and fill you with peace. And may you walk out of this building in the power of the Holy Spirit bearing what seems unbearable, knowing what seems to be unknown, and having the ability to do that which seems unthinkable. And may the Holy Spirit release his gifts in you and on you and through you. And may you be a witness of his power and of his resurrection wherever you go this week. And so I bless you all today in the strong and the beautiful and the resurrected name of Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. Amen.